Sonic States. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 219. Uh, Wednesday, the 25th of May, we're recording. If you're wondering what we're recording, we're recording a live podcast, folks. You can see it next week at uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live, where we have a live chat room. We have plenty of chatties in the chat room. Thanks for joining us this week. And also uh, on stream, um, if you're watching on video, you'll be able to see a little sort of uh, celebrity squares type display of our participants. I'll start with the man in green, uh, for he wasn't here last week, and that was, of course, Gaz Williams, Bristol-based Welsh producer, songsurgeon.co.uk, fresh back from holiday, I believe. Yeah, yeah, just got back from Spain, uh, so that's nice. It was, uh, yeah, it was... uh, Cloudy and rainy. Oh, darn it. <laughs> Did you come back with a sombrero and a donkey with those uh, wine carriers in as well? That's uh... Oh, I didn't, but I had a few hours to kill before I caught the plane back. So I just went down to Torre Molinos for the first time. And uh, it really is a very cheesy place, isn't it? <laughs> so you I've, know, never where you were... I've never been. I've never been. I've only ever been to uh, Madrid in Spain. Nah. Mm, no, so... very different. No, uh, yeah, very corny, very... Uh, yeah, it's the place where you would buy the the, the donkeys and hats and stuff. Um, but, uh... So I'm glad you had a nice time. I'm hoping to get away in a couple of weeks to France for a bit of uh, oh. hanging out with retired people. Um, <laughs> people are asking if Dave Spears is okay because it's very unusual for him not to be on the show, um, and he yeah. is he isn't here. But the reason he's not here is his daughter's birthday, and he's got a house full of rampaging teenagers. So he felt Fabulous. it was likely to be in, con, in, incompatible with uh, our current activity. But anyway, that other voice you heard there, which is the gentleman above me, is uh, Mark Tinley, looking very svelte, very slick haircut you've got there, Mark. Thank you very much. Uh, like um, where are we where are we pointing people? Likebeing.co.uk. Likebeing. Yeah, Likebeing.com. Likebeing.com. Actually, the, tell them to go to um, transformingtribes.com because I just did a very strange video about autism, which was is quite good fun in a very uh, talking heads psycho killer kind of way, actually. Righty ho. So, um, can I just ask a question? Of course you Why can. Why do I have the notes for uh, Sonic Talk two hundred and twenty? Oh, I obviously got it wrong. It's Did not you? 220, that's 219, it's right. It's just I've, I got a bit out of sync. Oh, okay. It happens I to me from time to time. I was excited that we'd done 220. <laughs> Don't worry, that's next week. That we've done 219. <laughs> that's next week. Uh, anyway, but uh, don't worry, Mark. We're, 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 it's all under control. Uh, and uh, finally, finally, we'll say hello to PJ Tracy back again. Second week running. Always pleased to have you, PJ Tracy, music.com, Emmy-winning composer. How are you, PJ? I'm very well, thank you, and thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. Uh, how's life with your new uh, Nord uh, electro piano? Ooh. Oh, it's been fantastic. I uh, used it this weekend. We the band did uh, four four shows this weekend. We have a um, an art festival in Northeast Minneapolis every year at this time, third weekend in May, which I read in the paper this year happens to be the largest art crawl of its kind on the planet. Ooh. And uh, over the last couple of years, um, my band has. Uh, garnered a few different venues um, across this festival and uh, we did four shows this weekend and I played three of them with the Nord piano and one uh, on an acoustic instrument and although I preferred playing on the piano um, the Nord piano was a dream it's a uh, it's a real instrument hey glad to hear it yeah, that's here. Yeah. Well, so I ha- highly, highly recommend it to anybody that's looking for a, a portable piano solution. Cool, yeah. Right, I'm going to try, and I'm trying to figure out. So I, I rather foolishly decided to reconfigure Skype a little, uh, my playback system a little bit, so that I could um, uh, do everything on key commands. But actually, what's happened is, is it's sort of messed everything up. So I'm going to try for some slick video switching. I can't promise anything. Well, let's start with uh, let's start with this one though, because I think this could be really smashing. Right, see if I can actually get that to happen. Right, what's going on here? There we go. Thank <laughs> you. 
looks a whole lot of fun right there doesn't it that was tara bush in the studio with john fox and benj uh at what looked like a fabulously well-equipped studio um doing some modular action um that was actually because we we met with tara at the short circuit event uh where she was shortly going after to afterwards to then be in the studio with john fox for some form of collaboration and that was a piece of said collaboration pretty cool Mm. stuff eh but what an enormous amount of equipment. How could you get any work done in a studio with that much modular synth equipment? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That is a very good question. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, that, that was obviously a short clip of uh, something going on. But I wonder just how long that had actually been happening uh, before, do you see what I mean? That's been going for like about six hours. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Not quite pleased about it, though, didn't he? <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't like that, but it did sound quite groovy. I can't wait to hear what was going on because that was uh, Tyra was obviously doing a bit of Mogafuga Mogafuga action. God, I can't. I, those are two words that I cannot say back to back. Mogafuga just no, doesn't make any it's, sense. It's Mogafuga. It's got to be. That's what I thought. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, John Fox has got a bit of a kind of renaissance happening in his area because he's uh, released uh, a, a new album and it sounded pretty good, actually. There's some videos and stuff coming out. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't know, PJ, have you ever been in the studio with uh, you know such a such a massive amount of modular kit? Because sometimes too much choice is a bad thing, right? Yes, I actually have on several occasions been in the studio with massive amounts of modular kit. However... Uh, not always with somebody uh, that can help me help me operate it. Ah, so, that's the trick. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I was going to talk to you about the possibility of sending some videos soon of a friend of mine who happens to own a massive amount of modular kit, Ooh. and I thought it might be interesting to show some of that, some of that, as well as a collection of very very old keyboards. Um, uh, you know, to the to the Sonic State audience. Absolutely, you know. Well, yeah. they they love it. Plus, he he's a riot. So, I think I think it would be I think it would be a lot of fun. But yes, um, have been in the studio experimenting with massive amounts of modular kit, gotten very lost in uh, in that process, and uh, not gotten a lot done on some occasions. <laughs> Lagrange Audio in the chat room says, "But how much is too much?" And that is a good question. What do you think, Mark? I mean, you've been in that stu- that situation. How much is too much? Do you think you just need to concentrate on one at a time? Because I've been in a situation where people have got lots of synths, and they tend to kind of get one out at a time and then concentrate on that, and then you kind of and do it that way. Um, I think that if you've got that many synthesizers, you need to know the scope of each synth. So if you know what each synth's strengths and weaknesses are, then I think you're probably going some way to being okay. But if you walk into somebody else's studio with that many synths, you're absolutely <laughs> up a freak without a paddle, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> a That's right. Because <laughs> I just would want to try everything. I'd be like, what happens if you plug this into that? And they'd go, yeah. oh, it might blow up. And I'll be like, go on, let's do it then. <laughs> yes, what happens is exactly. your bi- the, bill, the bill increases <laughs> and the amount of output, the useful output you get from it, it decreases. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, I don't know if you recorded everything and then... Uh, I don't know, actually, you could spend hours and hours picking back through it, trying to find out if you've got any good Well, that's stuff. true, but that's how some people do work. I mean, it's not an uncommon way of doing things. I mean, I must admit, when I used to do a lot of remix work, the thought of going to some another studio where I didn't have everything exactly as I wanted it was kind of terrifying, and I just couldn't, you know, I, there's no way I oh, could I operate agree. in that situation. I totally agree. I'd rather work on, well, actually, I woke up at about 6.30 this morning with, having had a dream that I was at a rave with this very strange guy with long, matted, blonde hair, and this tune came on, and I thought, wow, that's wicked, and I woke up. Sorry. And I had to um, somehow try and remember this tune, so I was using my iPhone as a sequencer, using uh, NanoSynth to try and capture that moment. (laughs) But I would rather work with that, because I know it, than work with something that I didn't know. Because if you've yeah. got that idea and it's in the back of your head... and Well, you'd lose it by the time you figured out the equipment. It's like writing as well. I'll find that I'm, if I, I record things as I... I record myself speaking as I'm writing. We'll get to that later, though. 
actually. I know. Yes, well, perhaps we're better. Well, Gaz, yeah. I mean, because you, you, oh, go, you do go into a number of different studios and places. Do you prefer to take your kind of smaller, manageable setup with you and just kind of plug into what you need and keep it under control? Or do you like to kind of go crazy and sort of enjoy and use everything? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it really is that sort of battle between getting stuff done and having a good time. And, you know, when you see all that stuff, you know, eyes pop out. I mean, um, working with Thipal Sandra, uh, him of Coil and uh, Spiritualized Fame, he's got an amazing amazing studio with a wonderful load of uh, uh modular kit in there and he um he but he really knows how to use it and he knows what to go for and stuff so uh working with him is great because you know he 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 can navigate right. it all for you but um uh actually I, what i was gonna say i really enjoyed the interview that you did with flood that's on the sonic state site and uh and you ask him questions about this, and he says that he uses his ARP 2600, that Fipal Sandra actually uses that for a lot of stuff as well, yeah. and and his Putney as well. Um, and and I was kind of thinking about that. I was thinking, oh, yeah, you know, just yeah, well, Because he, know, he knows it inside out, that's the thing. I mean, he really knows mm. what he's doing. And yeah. another, another thing yeah. that was common to both Flood... And uh, Gareth Jones and another couple of people I've spoken to is Tiny Sizer. Everybody's going crazy for that because it's, you know, the idea it being yeah. this tiny little modular thing that you can just pick up and take with you that's got all of that stuff. I mean, I don't know what it sounds like or what, what capabilities it has and how it interfaces with other stuff. But I'm guessing, you know, that's quite a powerful sort of concept, something that's about the size of a computer monitor, a small computer monitor. But, but I think you're absolutely right, though, about when you know your stuff, when you know... You know, like in Flood's case, like really knowing the two six hundred so well, and uh, uh, that's really going to help with your productivity. Then, isn't it? You're just going to be able to just get what you need straight away. Whereas, you know, a lot of the joy of modular synthesis is in the kind of exploratory. You know, and you can't really hurry that sort of process, really, can you? You know, it's yeah, that, that that's true. You know. No, it's hard. It is hard to hurry that. But I'm I, I'm sure I can't wait to hear and see what uh, Tara and uh, John Fox came up with together in the studio. I think it's mm. going to be quite an exciting and interesting uh, project. Yeah, well, I mean, Tara's because I worked with her, you know, uh, on numerous occasions, and is a really great person to work with because she's uh, she's just got very inquisitive, curious. Um, and enthusiastic sort of manner. So when you're working with her, it's just a lot of fun. So I'd imagine, you know, someone like John Fox, who's, uh, well, he's been around a bit, hasn't he? <laughs> he's probably going to feed off Tara's kind of uh, enthusiasm. And I think that that's a really, you know, that's a really good combination. So, yeah, excited to hear that. Excellent stuff. Um, and, of course, stay tuned to Tara's uh, Analog Suicide blog, analogsuicide.com, and you'll be able to see what, uh, what she's up to. I'm sure it will be forthcoming. Right, um, interesting uh, topic. This one actually. This is a new one from this. Uh, uh, now I've got to try and get this to work because it's not quite working as I'd hope. So what I've got to do is that switch that in and do that, and then I can go here. Right here we go. This is um, the clasp system. We're uh, really excited to have the clasp system. A lot of the recordings we've done here have been analog recordings. Uh, historically, we've tracked the analog machine and then transferred into Pro Tools. And we would get as much as we could to analog first and then go into Pro Tools and do our overdubs. And there's a lot of time-consuming uh, going on with the transfers that have to first print a tape, then transfer into the computer. There would be half hour to an hour of downtime where the whole band's just sitting in the studio while the engineers transfer the tape and line up the, the takes in, in Pro Tools. But now. All that stuff happens in real time, so it uh, not only is it a cost-saving for our clients, it saves time, and now we get to do all of our overdubs as well as the basic tracks in Pro Tools. We can do uh, you know multiple takes of vocals and edit them together. Every vocal takes gone to tape first. Same with any of the overdubs. So you know the big, fat, warm sound that we would get doing our rhythm tracks to tape. Now we get that on every overdub. We get that over the course of a whole record. It's pretty exciting. Right, that's the CLASP system. Uh, we actually recorded a video also at uh, AES, 
And as far as I can understand it, what this box does, uh, I think actually there is uh, an image at the back. It's got 24 I.O. on D-types at the, on the back. It's got the ability to delay compensate or calculate exactly the delay that you're recording from. You plug it in via your door and you record the um, tape. You record the tape as you ordinarily would, but it's through the door. So it's all controlled from the door. The, the, the signal is delayed from the record head to the repro head and then recorded back into Pro Tools and timestamped so that it's back in sync, which seems kind of mighty clever. And all the tape control and transport control happens on the class system. The actual class box can handle up to 24 channels at a time. Um, in, in the couple of instances, I've just seen it with two uh, channels. But it seems like... Um, is it really cool, or is this sort of a really expensive way of why don't you just record everything to tape and monitor through the tape while you're doing it and go straight into Pro Tools, or am I missing something? Gaz, you might know about this, being, mm. a, being a, um, perhaps recording more frequently to, to tape type in a tape style than we do. Yeah, the system, the way it seems to work, is that my cat? I no. don't know. I think it might be Mark's. It sounded like a bang- no, it's, it's a bangle to me. Right. Hang on, I'm going to have to get rid of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't recorded to tape for a while now, actually, but um, I did sort of, I used to do a lot of work with tape. But um, yeah, the way the system works is it's just uh, it's just everything that records into the door just goes onto tape first, then off the repro head. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, and as you say, the, the machine is just uh, really just keeping everything um, in sync. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that it's... I mean, yeah, that's a handy... That's a really handy thing, I guess. But, I mean, I think it's... Do you know the price on that? It's quite an expensive piece of kit, I think, isn't $7, it? $7,500. <whistles> so yes. about, that's probably about four and a half, five thousand 5000 quid. And I just kind of wonder... Um, is so, that so for that, you get the privilege of having mm. a full-on Pro Tools rig and mm. the hassle of having a tape machine and this thing in between. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know, it got me thinking. I think it's an interesting device, and I can imagine if you are in that situation where you're using Pro Tools or whatever and you're using tape, it is going to be useful. There's a studio in Bristol called uh, Toy Box, where I sometimes work, uh, John Parrish's studio. Uh-huh. Um, and and they, they'll, like, kind of track the tape and then ping it all across in, onto Pro Tools. Uh, and I can imagine them finding a good use, use for it. But at the price point, ooh, you know, it's quite a esoteric kind of piece of kit, really, in a way. Um, uh, but it did get me thinking. It got me thinking about why people still love recording to tape. Uh, because, you know, tape does have a load of you know, negative aspects that people seem to always gloss over and, you know, um, but uh, people still love the sound of tape because a lot of the recordings that they still love was recorded on tape. So therefore it's kind of redolent of that. Um, And it got me thinking about that people don't use digital. They don't record digital properly. I think, you know, Ah, they, um, you think that's, yeah, what, that's why it, they like the sound of tape, because they can abuse it and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And I think that... Uh, I, I, it's funny that you should ask me about this, because I am, I've had so many arguments with sort of tape heads about this. Because um, yeah, I love it. I love recording tape. It's great. But I don't love it Enough. for the... <laughs> yeah. Enough. Yeah. Uh, but you know the clasp system does look good, and I think. Oh, I, did, yeah, I think it. That. I think it has a sort. There's a certain element of the kind of. Uh, I mean, I can see how it would be much easier to use this in a Pro Tools system if you are recording to tape a lot, because it just it saves a lot of time. And if you're doing it day it in day out, and it's part of your workflow, then I could see how you would probably. Yeah. But if you didn't use tape already, there's no way you'd buy it. No, Mark. Um, I mean, you've worked on both mediums. Can you see a use for this? Do you know? Would you work with anybody who do you think who think would would jump at this, or just think what's the point? I, I, I'm going to start arguing from a sound engineer's perspective and say that when they're recording, I'm sure that when you use a two-inch machine that you don't want to run the thing in sync mode because you're going to lose a whole load of sound quality. So when you record on a two-inch tape machine, you have that kind of offset thing happening, don't you? So you listen back in sync. But when you actually come to do the mix, you put the machine in repro, which means that you're using 
the repro head as a as a repro head and not as a sync head. So does it work out? So do they have to modify the machine so that it works out the difference between the input head and the repro head, or are they running it off? Sync. I think they record what they do because is maybe, it record it record because you have three heads, don't you? you have the yeah. you have the record head, the sync head, and the repro head. So you'd switch so, to, but I don't know. I don't know if you can record when you're using the repro head or not. That's a good, a good point. So maybe I mean if it can if it can uh, allow you to record onto tape using the record head and play back from the repro head, and then it works out the delay of <laughs> that. That's, yeah, what that's, that's what it does. But I didn't that's know that you could play. That's what it's doing. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that so you. Could, I didn't know that you could actually uh, do the repro and the playback and the record yeah. head at the same time. Yeah, you you generally can. Oh, okay. All right. But then you get like that weird delay thing happening anyway, don't you? So it's working out that delay. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it's but that, what it is? I mean, there's only so, there's only so many tape recorders in the world, and they only run at so, so many speeds. So working out the delay is not that hard. To, and you just sort of type it in because it saves you can save presets for. Uh, different machines and what have you. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. As Absorber says in the chat room, the clasp is a fancy delay compensator which communicates with the delay compensation in the computer. That's kind of basically it. (laughs) I mean, when I watched that guy kind of standing there doing the video that you recorded, there was this smirk on his face that I actually thought (laughs) this is just some huge (laughs) wind-up joke kind of thing. And then as I watched more of the video, it became apparent that he was obviously being quite serious about it. But I'm sure... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just fashion, isn't it? I mean, we Maybe. go around these different sounds. When we were all trying to get everything to sound analog, suddenly, like, that young lad from New York came along, I can't remember his name, who made that record entirely in Pro Tools and mixed it all in Pro Tools and got this really tight, really closed digital sound. And everyone went, that's it. That's the sound we want. And everyone ran off after that. And then it just seems to have come back to analog again. Yeah. And all I- it is... Is magnetic compression. It's like sound goes in, gets squeezed to hell by the tape, comes back out again. It's not rocket science, is it? I'm not really. No, I suppose not. PJ, Sorry. will you be will you be rushing out and buying a new tape machine? Uh, no, no, I will not. But um, as regards this guy, Nick Estes, I I think it. It might go. It might go a little something like this. I mean, that the economics behind this is you, you've got a guy who's who's created an extremely specialist product. Uh, he looks like he might be a small shop. It probably took him a while to, um, you know, to, to figure this out and have and have this machine prototyped. And if you happen to be the point. Three percent of the market that re- requires a device like this because your studio has so much demand for recording to tape. You know, you have you have bands lining up to come in to record to tape, and you need one of these. And as he mentions, as an example in his um, in his presentation, is that if you happen to be a Nuendo or a Cubase user, you can actually daisy chain three different tape machines together. At different speeds with different settings, and record to all of them at once, and then into Pro Tools. And he gives this as a practical example of how to use these clap clasp devices. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's a there's probably a five square block radius in Nashville, you know, Tennessee, where any of that is ever happening at you know at any and at any time on the planet. And so uh, I can see why he's charging. You know, yeah, eight thousand dollars for one of these one of these devices because the people that would actually want to rush out and buy one of these wouldn't think twice to spend eight thousand dollars on one of these. Yeah. Well, maybe they maybe maybe they would, but I don't I don't think so. I think really if they feel that this would uh, enhance their workflow, one of these devices that they they won't uh, they won't blink mm. when pur- when purchasing. I like the the thing that that appeals to me is the fact that it can timestamp the audio and just slot it right in at the right place. You know, that's kind of useful. Presumably it does the broadcast wav timestamp stuff and just has some sort of automation somehow that lines it back up again, which makes kind of so, which makes sense for overdubbing. It doesn't really matter if you're just recording in one go, but overdubs obviously you're gonna need that. But yeah. you know, interesting. I know John Van Eaton well, in the chat room was keen on us talking about this, so uh <laughs> What happens if you get to the point with it where you think, "Oh God, I wish I hadn't recorded that to tape. I wish I just recorded it directly into the into Pro Tools." I suppose you you record it into Pro Tools at the same time, don't you? 
You're just going to end up with twice as many tracks. <laughs> well, maybe you don't keep the tape. Once you've recorded it, what do you need the tape for? Just rewind and go over it again. You don't actually need yeah. an analog master as well, do you? I mean, it would be unnecessary. Right. So, yeah. Now, he, he mentions at the end of that video, but uh, unfortunately in the um, stream as I was watching this, it, the audio cut out at the end. He was, he was talking about the durability of tape and how uh, you could record an entire record on one, one reel of tape. Ah, Yes, I noticed yeah. that as well, but I'd not watched it all the way through before then, and it wasn't me yeah, what, he, what edited it. I will have words. He was, he was saying something about that at the end that right. that uh, actually with with this system, because you're actually you you are you know ostensibly using Pro Tools as your tape machine, and um, the tape the tape recorder itself is is just a loop. really more of a front end yeah more of a front end processor. Well, I mean, so really, what you could do is just create one big tape loop that just went round and round and round yeah, the whole time. Sure. <laughs> sure you could, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting. One other interesting thing about that, and that's the, stu- the, the Studer uh, tape machine, that he, the two-track that he had that sitting on top of. It's probably worth about 30,000 quid, between twenty and 30,000 pounds. Have I got cut off? Maybe. No, 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 I can hear you, Mark. No, you're there, yeah. Mark. So, I mean, if, I mean, you know, if you can afford to spend that much money on that kind of high-end tape machine, $8,000 or whatever it is, probably isn't going to be that much if that's the sound you want to get and you want an efficient way of getting it. So, mm, absolutely. Okay. Well, anyway, I just thought it was interesting. I know there were some requests to uh, cover it uh, last week. So, there we go. We listen to our listeners. <laughs> I think that sounds right. That makes sense. Anyway, I'd like at this point to uh, say thank you very much to our show sponsors, of course, who are Yamaha. Uh, Yamaha produce the uh, the N-Series digital mixers. And, um, in fact, what we're talking about here are the N-Series digital mixers. They want to let you know about them. These are digital analog hybrid. Uh, they have Firewire audio connection plus various other features. The first thing, uh, you've got the characterized N-Mic preamps. You've got the sweet spot morphing compressor on every channel, which allows you to uh, do some sort of fast dynamics um, control on record and on playback. You've got uh, advanced integration with Cubase. comes with Cubase AI the box, high Z input for direct guitar or bass recording, wide ranging musical EQ, high resolution Rev X reverb, fully integrated pro, le- pro level monitoring suite, and AUX ends for artist monitoring external processing. 24 uh, bit 96K uh, Firewire, uh, basically, they're available as an 8 channel, the N8 and N12, which is a 12 channel. They both all both models features the new mic preamps, which were specially made by Yamaha's own K Lab physical modeling team. Um, but anyway, if you want to check out uh, the N series, you can head to yamahasynth.com or yamahadownload.com and check out uh, the Pulse stores, which are stores within stores, which enable you to go and, ch- um, and sort of talk to an expert, maybe run some audio through one, check it out. The same sort of thing can happen in the US. Um, just go and, uh, online and find your local dealer, and I'm sure they'll be able to help you out too. So once again, we just say thank you very much to Yamaha download yamahasynth.com for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right. Well, Good sounding converters in those desks. Yes, I, 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 you, you did mention last week, actually. And, uh, yep. In fact, uh, Chris Irvin came down um, from Yamaha, who's now uh, in place of Peter, who used to sponsor him. He left, a, uh, he left me uh, a Yamaha MOX, uh, what is it? MOX6, which I have here, which is a prototype here oh, that lovely. I'm uh, going to be reviewing. Quick, Wonderful. A quick blast of the audio there. <laughs> there you go. That's the Yamaha Mox in kind of performance mode. Oops, I'm going to have to switch it off there. Yes, yeah, so look forward to that. I'm going to do an unboxing. Well, I haven't got a box with it, so I'll do an unbagging <laughs> video. Because I've just finished the uh, the Monotribe uh, review, which uh, I'm ho- I'm just waiting to get a couple of uh, points back from Korg. I need the US dollar pricing and a couple of other things, and then I'll be putting it live. And that that was great because I actually got to dig out some of my analog stuff as well. I got the Korg MS20 out and hooked it up and did some syncing and had a bit of fun with it. And uh, that that was great fun. So uh, look forward to uh, to publishing that shortly. Right. 
So, guys, what's our next topic? Let me have a look. I'm sure there's something else to play. Class, we've done. Ah, yes, this is something else. This is going to be uh, interesting. How am I going to do this? I'm going to do it this way. Ah, yes, here we go. This is the uh, the chem set of random wave music. It's a new sound bank and GUI for AAS Ultra Analog VA1. And they've named it after all of the elements in the periodic table, which is a kind of novel way of doing things. I've got a few things to play here. There's a few patches which we could just listen to. Sounds quite nice, actually. Let's try another couple. This is Palladium. Uh, let's try a bit of Fluorine. Let's see what's my favourite element here. We haven't got a, one of them all. Strontium. Let's hear what strontium sounds like. Very majestic. What about tungsten? I'm expecting... Uh, yes, I was expecting something along those lines. Guys, what do you think of that? Um, I've not come across the uh, VA1 before, uh, AAS, uh, AAS, which is, uh, uh, I think they're a French development company. Anybody else uh, seen this, Gaz? Yeah, yeah, I'd look at it. Um, looks, yeah, I mean, it's just a novel way of naming. Patches, yeah, it is. Pete's <laughs> coming up with patch names, I think, with my tagline in the show right. notes. Uh, yeah. But I wonder how, um, you, how you go about actually characterising the various elements. I mean, do, they, do you think they actually really thought about what elements were used in, say, they come to carbon and thought, right, you know, fishing rods, uh, specialist <laughs> kind of uh, clamps and, you know, things like that. I wonder if they human, thought... Human beings. Human beings, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Water. I don't know whether how... Because how, how, there's a lot of elements there. There's 128 patches. I mean, this is only 10 bucks. So it's not exactly... Uh, it's not what you call kind of a, a serious amount of cash so what does it say it's only yeah it's 10 it's uh 10 bucks 128 patches um yeah it's reduced from 1450 (laughs) (laughs) can you can you open them in uh ableton's analog i wonder because that's the same is it the same as uh you know the ableton's own sort of uh they've got its own plug-in suite that comes in the suite and uh analog i believe is the same audio engine as the uh, ultra analog oh no I don't Just know a... actually I've never I've not tried that I didn't realise I didn't realise PJ you come across yeah. that stuff before oh sorry Mark you, you look like you're about to go I was just about to say I quite like the sound of it it actually reminds me of the oh god I don't know what they're called now image line fruity loops uh, they have a synthesizer called morphine which it sounds a bit like and I can see myself using those sounds, but I can't see myself using the sounds because I have nothing that runs VST instruments anymore. Ah. (laughs) Are they not... Do they not come as... um, Are they not also as AU? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, requirements. VSTi 1.4 or higher. Oh. Ah, that's I mean, so what Gaz said suddenly, like, made me think, well, hang on a minute, yeah, if I can run it in something (laughs) else, then maybe I can get hold of some of those sounds. That's a good question. quite... I mean, they have a kind of a, quite a lush, kind of quite high quality kind of, you know, I mean, maybe I could uh, use them for some kind of a, a new agey kind of sounding thing, which I have in mind to do soon. So um, it interested me. I like the sound. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me see. But you'd need to get you'd need to get the host software first, Solo, wouldn't you? It's, it's yes, the host the host software is two hundred bucks. So yeah, I, I'm just try, actually just trying to look for. Uh, AAS VA one and see if there's a um, there is actually a. But you're saying you're saying. I oh, know the AA one is VST AS RTAS, so you can get all of it. So it will run in a, in, in oh, any much any no of those way. hosts. So you're fine. Yeah, so yeah, it's just it's just a bit misleading because um, it says VSTI as, but it's actually what it means is a virtual instrument. It's become a bit. It's a bit like Hoover, isn't it? It's a it's a sort of term for virtual instrument rather than the actual format that it runs in. They should change that if they no, n- change that on their website because I complete it completely put me off. I just went okay, <laughs> I can't do that then, and that was that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> PJ, yeah. I also believe they have a, uh, a player of some kind, um, and I, I think either it's it's really cheap or it's free, and then you can buy sound banks for it. Um, 
and I'm not certain if the if the AA one um, or is that is that what they call it the VA one or the AA one has a uh, um, an engine embedded in that player, but I th- I think it does. I think I remember reading reading recently that they had put the engines for both that synthesizer and string machine inside of a free player or a very cheap player and then they were selling sound packs for ah. that. So there might there might be a cheaper way to get into those sounds if you're interested in them. I'm just um, I look. Ha- have some experience with this synthesizer. Uh-huh. Um I owned it uh several years ago and and I guess technically still do, but I haven't um it hasn't followed me on sub- subsequent builds of, of my machines because uh, its user interface was too small for, ah, me, right, okay. for, me to, for me to navigate. But I really did. I really did like the sound of it. I just never found myself using it very much. I do how I did, however, for a long time, and uh, was uh, needled earlier on this program for for being into building um, my own models inside of uh, AAS's Tasman uh, modeling yeah, synthesizer. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it does look like they've got a player. They've got Ultra Analog Session uh, and uh, various other things. But I have a feeling that this particular sound bank needs to be loaded into the actual full version because they sort of b- bundled them up as, um, uh, um, let me see, as, what is it, as as kind of player. So they're, they're more to do with, oops, I think that's what I'm looking for, more to do with patches, if you see what I mean. So they're less to do okay. with patches and more to do with sort of bundled players. So I don't know that you can play them in the player. So that might not okay. be the case. And then in terms of my, my favorite sounds, um, I lean towards the heavy metals, of course. <laughs> right? Ah, of course. Nice. We're, we're musicians, right? So it's got to be lead. <laughs> lead. What's, <laughs> what's another one that's, that's heavy like lead? I mean, uh, I suppose iron, F-E. Yeah. I'm just going to see if I can... Yeah. Just trying to see if I can find a. He- there's a sort of fairly good heavy metal thing in the in the mocks that I just pass on, but I, I I'll have to dig it out and see if I can find it. <laughs> Sorry, that was my attempt at coming up with a themed preset on the mocks. Maybe this could be a new feature, couldn't it? Any sort of, there'll be a keyword and I'll have to find a preset or bring one up that fits any style or genre of music. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps or perhaps not. Anyway, um, you can find that uh, randomwavemusic.hostoy.com, the chem set. Uh, I think that we've got a news item up about it as well, so you should be able to check it out. It sounds like there's a fan going off in my... Somebody got a fan going off in their their room? Love you, Nick. <laughs> Not that kind of fan. <laughs> nice touch, though. Nice touch. Right, let's have a look. What else uh, have we got here? There's something. Ah, today the pencil, tomorrow the big toe. Yes. I quite liked this one. This was an article by Michael Deacon in the Telegraph. I'm not usually a Telegraph reader, I might add. And um, he, he's basically talking about his inability to actually write. Uh, I'll, I'll just read the opening paragraph. Uh, a writer said Thomas Mann, the Nobel Prize winning author, is someone for whom writing is more difficult than it is for other people. If that's the case, I suppose I must be a terrific writer because I find writing very difficult indeed. I don't just mean the composition of sentences. I mean physically writing them down. Using a computer, as I do every day, is easy. But a pen? That, increasingly, is torture. Discuss. Now, this actually, I mean, because I, I, speaking for myself, I find writing, I don't, I, I'm writing less and less and less. And I started writing in capitals kind of probably, I don't know, somewhere between my f- leave, leaving school and my first or second job. So I, to write in lowercase and kind of, I, I don't know if I could anymore. <laughs> and I find writing checks really quite stressful because, I mean, not only am I completely stingy, it's to, I actually find it quite hard to write in lowercase on a check, and I think you're supposed to. But it's interesting, you know, this sort of uh, a, an actual, no, an actual physical skill we're talking about that is being is being lost due to lack of use, and there must be numerous other instances um, where this is also the case, particularly within music. I thought it might be an interesting, uh, an interesting point to to discuss. I know PJ. I'm wondering whether or not you, um, because you 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 play the piano a lot, right? 
I do. I mean, does that mean that you've kept in touch with all of your things? But I mean, things like maybe writing music, uh, you know, manually. Well, I don't do a lot of that because it's very difficult for me to read. Um, to read music, right. so I I don't do a whole lot of writing music manually. But as as pertains to writing in general, um, I really really enjoy doing it. Like I enjoy putting a pen to paper and writing in the English language. Um, I don't find myself having a lot of opportunity to do it. Um, but when you write a thank you note or a greeting card, or occasionally I'll write a letter to somebody. Uh, more frequently, I'll do I'll do that with my wife i'll just i'll just write something to her a note or a letter to her um and i really really enjoy it and um i think that i think that it can it definitely connects you to physical centers in the brain that cause you to to think in a in a very different way than you do when you type or you do when you converse well it's much and i think yeah yeah, and i think it's a really really important skill that should be impressed on future generations however i don't think that it will be and that's uh possibly a little frightening but i mean given the fact that somewhere in the past 100 years maybe prior to the invention of the atomic bomb we gave up um critical thinking or maybe never fully developed it i suppose writing was the next thing to go it's terrifying really i know that there is because i mean we're all taught it from a very early age that kind of process is very uh uh, deeply ingrained for a lot. I mean, not maybe not so much yep. in the in newer generations, but certainly in our generation. Yeah, and and as um, you know, as as this kind of ties into what you know what you were saying about other skills being lost. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a lot of young people that are learning. Ooh, there's Ooh. a massive amount of distortion there. Uh, yeah, I think it's gone now. I don't right. know what that was. Okay. Um, there's there's a a large portion of the younger generation coming up. And we've talked about this numerous times in many different ways from a lot of different angles that will equate the making of music with the turning of knobs solely or the manipulation of a touchscreen exclusively and will never have learned how to play an acoustic instrument. And that – yeah, and that is – that's new to this generation. So there there will be – a degradation to some degree of that skill as well, you know, or at, le- at least a softening of it, you know, in, in, ter- in terms of its impact on the entire generation. Right. That's an interesting point. Mark? Me? <clears throat> writing. I love writing. I write, write, write. You see this piece of paper? It was folded into eight, and I've written something on every different panel of that <laughs> at some point. And I have my favorite writing implement. I have this fountain pen here. Uh, which is uh, quite a nice one. And then, of course, I have this fountain pen. So I i don't know. I just li- I particularly like uh, writing implements. I think I could get lost in a stationery shop for a very, very long time, especially a good one. And there's a fabulous shop in Bedford where they sell all sorts of very expensive writing uh, implements. And... Uh, uh, I'm just there is something very there. There is something very pleasing, isn't there, about by about using a, a quality pen? It's something that you don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it might be the same thing for a musician who plays a a, a wonderful yeah. instrument. I, I, I mean, but it, I mean, there's a whole ri- there's a whole ritual to it, like all this, you know, the putting the cartridges in and making sure it's got enough ink before you go out, and then it exploding My- on the aeroplane in your pocket, and then I've never. You see, the thing is, is I've never really got. I've I've never really got into ink pens because I'm left-handed, so it doesn't really suit me. I'd have to write like this, or rather like uh, this, and I don't. Sure, sure. So maybe right. that's it. My wife, as a hobby, makes makes pens out of wood. Oh, and uh, she's a she's a wood turner, and it is a joy to use these pens. And uh, wow. we have we sit around occasionally with uh, with family members and have very very I'm sure other people would consider geeky and dry discussions, um, as many might of the discussions that we have. But it's the it's the it's the crowd, um, you know, about what writing implements we prefer. You know mm. which which are the best for uh, long form and short form and uh, drawing. <laughs> Those are good for you. <laughs> yeah. 
But what happens with writing is that we can kind of write much faster than we can type, or I can write much faster than I can type. And in a sense, uh, writing it is a different process of thinking that makes something different happen to the idea. It's almost, I think sharing an idea with a pen and a piece of paper is almost as good as sharing it with another person. And with typing, it's much less... Um, What's the word? It's much less... Intimate. Intimate, Mark, maybe. It's kind of like... I mean, I, the thing I love about typing is that you can type something, look at it, and go, oh, no, that's not right. And you can juggle yeah. things around. Yeah, you change so it around. When you write it's less immediate. Paper, something about yeah. the finali finality of it. So it's much more final to write something down. Yes, Harry says in the chat room, it's the, it's the commitment. Commitment, uh, yeah. that's a good word. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, word. like, you get halfway through a letter to your girlfriend, and you're not going to, like, go, oh, shit, I've made a mistake, I need to start all over again. Well, sometimes, sometimes one does. But well, you might. You uh, might. Yeah, you might. I know, Gaz, you, uh, how's your writing? <laughs> oh, it's abysmal. I had to write something today, and my handwriting was like a kind of four-year-old's, you know, and... and <laughs> <laughs> I was... I was with some young people as well, and I was genuinely really embarrassed about my handwriting. I could see that they probably thought I was some sort of, uh, I don't know... Um... Troubled individual. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, so it's quite interesting. It's a really interesting subject. Um, but uh... Well, what, I tell you what, what gets me, you get all these kind of handwriting experts who uh, are supposed to be able to tell you know, all this stuff from your handwriting, but, I mean, my handwriting, when I could write properly would probably say something completely different about me as a person now I can't. So how that's can that, probably true. How can that, probably how can that true. science be sort of correct, if you see what I mean? Or do you think they can accommodate for that? I think you've got more style in your inability to write than you had in your... That's very kind of you to say so. I did a mirror writing video on YouTube where I write things back to front and upside down and then back to front and upside down at the same time with both hands and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, I don't know what you would... Send me the link. Send me the link. We'll yeah. put it in the show notes. I, I did get a response from Dave Spears as well because uh, he emailed me to say that he couldn't go, but he he, he said, uh, "Being a left-handed kid in the '60s, I endured the stigma attached to being uh, sinistral." Well, I remember the same thing being being told. You know, I had to eat with different hands or whatever. Uh, I was forced to write with his right hand by early teachers. His parents were fine about my left-handedness, though I found the best way to counter this odd and mainly academically based prejudice was to develop my handwriting at home so that it was graceful and grown up up to disguise it as right-handed as an aside people who know of my generation who were left under and forced to write with their right hands developed stammers uh, later when i started yeah. working in studios my notes had to be readable everyone by everyone so i started writing everything in capitals and uh, while i heard everybody query other people's notes saying who wrote this i can't read it thankfully mine was escaped however over time my joined up handwriting became utterly useless which is exactly what I've suffered from. Now, 20 years after 20 years behind a computer, my handwriting is beyond appalling, and I even dread putting messages in birthday cards now, such as my scrawl. This is personally very frustrating, because doing support here, I have to be very precise with written words. Uh, by rights, I feel I should be able to pick up a pen and write with a plum and, fl and a flourish, yet inwardly I turn into a bit of a wreck when someone says, just write this down, will you? That's, and I just thought that's kind of interesting because it is uh, this disconnect with this sort of... It's like being able to sing, isn't it? And, and, set, and it coming out uh, fluently from, from your subconscious or your conscious mind straight away. But interesting. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's a, it's a skill and it's, it's a muscle memory skill. And so it's something that, that needs to be practiced you know, in, order for it to, in order for it to be uh, discernible. And I, I certainly... If if I'm writing uh, quickly, it will it will definitely not look very good. But um, I was going to say, Nick, that you should take your handwriting from the analysis shop next door to the phrenology shop if you have any questions about what the what the analyst came up with when when analyzing <laughs> your your handwriting. He can check the the bumps on your head and and make sure <laughs> that the uh, that the handwriting analyst. Uh, you know, had the right assessment. Well, he'll be able to see the bumps on my head perfectly well now because there's no hair to uh, obscure it. Maybe that's what's happened to writing. Yeah. Well, it's Maybe gone that's... the same way as my hair. <laughs> the less hair you have, the, the worse your writing gets. That's an interesting point. I'm not sure it would stand up under close scrutiny, but maybe in a... <laughs> but... 
I look forward to your article in The Lancet, Mark, on the subject. <laughs> right, and I think we have to do a couple more things. Right, I, I, I'm the infographic. The uh, Does anyone want to do the infographic thing, or should we go straight to Doctor Who Tesla? Yeah, Doctor Who. Doctor Who, let's do Doctor Who. There we go. Jesus Christ, I'll tell you what, that really made me shiver. Uh, for those who don't know what that was, watching on video, what that was was, uh, was half a million volts of MIDI-controlled Tesla coil lightning and two children in a cage on a stage in front of a large audience. Uh, I think my tagline, what could possibly go wrong? This was uh, the Austin, Texas-based Architac, uh, who are, I guess, are a Tesla coil kind of company, performing the famous Ron Grainer theme via Delia Jebosh on half a million volts of MIDI-controlled Tesla coil light. It's from their performance at the 2011 San Mateo Maker Fair. Um, uh, when they're not doing covers of sci-fi theme songs, they stay busy by doing electrocuting high school science teachers and otherwise educating students about the awesomeness of science. <laughs> part of me thinks, wow, that's cool. And another part of me thinks, I'm really glad that wasn't my daughter in that cage. And I know we've done Tesla before, but this one just seemed to be a, a magnitude of scariness more than anything else we've seen. I don't Mark. <laughs> you built oh, yours in the back really garden yet? Six year no, I haven't done it. I've got but I have got a six year old child who if I put in that cage would be curious enough to come out and run out. If you said to him, <laughs> Stay in there, whatever you do, don't come out, he'd probably open the door and come running out. And I did notice that the arc was uh, not always hitting the cage, and it was sort of hitting things randomly around. Well, there was some sort of grid uh, uh, on the floor below it that was, uh, I I'm guessing, was also supposed to be. I don't know. And then the other thing is that when the guy sort of finished, it stopped, and then he kind of got up and somebody walked onto the stage, and I thought, well... I don't, don't want something to discharge it. first. Aren't you supposed to be grounded? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything needs to be absolutely isolated first, doesn't it? You wouldn't want your iPhone in your pocket when you were on that one, would you? Or any other what expensive PDA? What would happen if you got hit by that, really? What would uh, be the outcome of being Well, Lagrange Audio like and Redwalk said it wouldn't hurt you, only tickling. Because it's a very, very high voltage and a very, very low ampage. I think that's the, it's the amps that kill you, isn't that right, Andy? Yeah, it is amps that kill you, yeah. It's the amps that kill you. Don't worry, sir. It'll be fine. It's like being struck by friendly lightning. Although that doesn't <laughs> the amps and volts that, that kill you. You can, you can touch both terminals of a car battery, and that's uh, 12 volts and... Yeah, but it's got a high ampage. Amps, but I guess you don't draw 100 amps at 12 volts. A human being, maybe, wouldn't draw 100. Maybe it just means it can draw that. Maybe if you stuck both terminals in your mouth, you might get it. <laughs> Not that I'm suggesting that that's a good idea in <laughs> any mean, way. But... When I get static in the car and I get out the car and I go to do the handle, you know, and, you, and you're an inch away from the handle and something cracks and it kind of <laughs> across, I mean, it must be that kind of voltage, right? High enough to create a spark. So it would, it's got to do a little bit more than tickle. Right? <laughs> yeah, singe, <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> PJ, have you seen... This, uh, this stuff seems to happen a lot in the States. Have you seen any of this kind of thing live? I have not, no, but I'd like to. I wonder I what really it's like. like I can imagine when they say the atmosphere was charged, they'd actually be right in this instance because there oh, would, I would actually think so. be... I think, you're, I think if you're sitting in the front row, your hair would be up on end. You definitely don't <laughs> want to be wearing man-made fibres, do you? Cheap nylon trousers. 
I, I think I think it's great, and that piece of music is is one of those that uh, for me, you know, is 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 kind of a it's a t- it's a touchstone, isn't it? Uh, when I was six or seven years old and first heard that piece of music, it was one of those that sort of reinforced the thought in my head that I have to get my hands on synthesizers at some point in the future, and yeah. I, I don't I don't know why I don't know why that is. It just it's just one of those pieces of music that whenever I hear it or hear it referenced, you know, whether it's this or uh, you know Pink Pink Floyd, Delicate Sound of Thunder, you know, it, it, it just. Uh, I just it's love like it. ingrained in society. It's like the way that somehow even young children know all the words to Beatles songs, even though they've never heard yeah. them before. It's just one of those things. It always reminds me of kind of dusty, kind of Putney synthesizers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I know what you mean. Yep. Gaz, have you ever seen one of these in the flesh? No, I'd love to, though. I think it's great. Um, Would you go in yeah. the cage? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's safe. Obviously, they wouldn't let small children go in there. But, I mean... Just, what would happen if you touched the side of the cage? I mean, you'd get a little tickle, Nothing. sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Faraday yeah, cage, right. isn't it? That's the way it works. A Faraday cage. Yep. So it's yeah, it is a Faraday cage. Yeah. Yep. So you wouldn't get any phone calls or anything in there. There'd be no intermittent. You would. It'd be a great place to uh, to get away from it all. <laughs> <laughs> Put a cot down. Spend a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have people point and laugh. Yeah, well, you're so that maybe with your hair stood up on end, tickle, tickling all over. Okay. <laughs> Quite. What an what an awesome instrument. I mean, what a what a yeah yeah. I mean, is there a cooler instrument on the on the planet? No, I don't know. Pyrophones. Yes. Well, if you were going to get yeah, a pyrophone yeah. and uh, Mark, your challenge was to have a pyrophone and uh, a Tesla coil instrument in your back garden, wasn't it? Well, that was before. That was before you moved, though. Well, I still think I can do it. Um, I just—it's all a very expensive uh, kind of. Uh, I'm looking at Tesla. There's Tesla coils on eBay, so there's a European version Tesla coil package for about seven hundred pounds or one thousand one hundred and eighteen dollars. Does that come with MIDI control? No, I don't. I wonder whether you do it with Arduino or something kind of, you know, or Max <laughs> Max MSP. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't seem right, does it? Having anything like a computer connected to something of such awesome power. I don't. I wouldn't spend seven hundred pounds on one. What I'd rather go and spend two thousand pounds on one and have one like you know ten foot high. I don't see the point in having a small one. If you're gonna if you're gonna go for it, you should go for the full size thing. And then I could you know I can mark Ty Wharton's world of emporium of electrocution or mark ty wharton's <laughs> world of tingling yeah <laughs> i mean it says here fifteen thousand volts 60 milliamps now 60 milliamps is absolutely nothing so i guess the guys in the chat room are right that that 60 milliamps wouldn't re- you'd barely feel that would you but yeah but the physical surely the physical presence of something so powerful sort of playing over your mm. body is gonna is gonna do something i mean it's sort of it may not be immense pain, but it might al- it might alter you slightly. Do you, do you think that that has uh, medicinal properties? Do you think you could you know in the same way that you can go into a t- to a tanning salon? It's like a, a, well, not electroshock therapy, but something approaching that. I mean, probably good for hair removal or something like that. Well, that's what I was going to say. But what about a tens machine? A tens machine is pretty much the same thing. Shit, you wouldn't worry about being in pain with one of those things flying out. You would think, you know what? My backache's completely gone. This childbirth business is totally simple. I can't feel a thing, darling. I'm cured, and I have no more chest hair. I just feel a pleasant tingling sensation. Oh, look, there's the baby. <laughs> I've never tried a TENS machine, um, and uh, my partner didn't try TENS. She was very, very much gas and air, so there was, no, uh, there was no Tesla coil or TENS machine going on there. Maybe if you had one of those, you would love Mondays. <laughs> Maybe I would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually I don't mind Mondays at all. Um, I don't either. Uh, let me see. Well, that, I enjoyed that though, and that was—I uh, think we put yes. That was that was a, a link from our very own website, sonicstate.com forward slash news. For those of you who are interested, if you've never seen this podcast before, that's what we're about. Um, and I think we've probably just got a little bit of time left for the rather fabulous um, uh, retro ads blogspot. Let me see if I can get that to happen. No, 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 that's not it. That's the one. 
Here we go. This is brilliant. This this is the um, this is a guy called uh, Retro. Well, I don't know what his name is, uh, but it's Retro Synth Ads, and he's got a whole blog uh, um, dedicated to it. And he's got this thing called the Advertising Timeline Tool. And he's built this flash uh, timeline tool that enables you to scroll. Let me see if I can get it. I'm, it's, it's playing hard to get. So I can scroll along the timeline and see the uh, advertising for a particular brand. This is the ARP one. So we're starting in March 1975, goes right up to February 77. And then uh, the Korg one's quite interesting because I, I, I paused it on, on the MS series, which I believe was 1978, which makes me feel kind of quite privileged to have an MS-20 that's well over 30 years old and still works. But it's what I've, I mean, he's obviously got quite, quite skills in the flash department, but it's great. It really, I've never sort of, infographics, aren't they marvellous? They're just sort of, they add so many things. This is the Korg one. There's also a Moog one and a Sequential Circuits one as well. So, and if you click on any of the ads, it'll bring you up to another page that enables you to view it in more, uh, more detail. Here we are. There's a Sequential Circuit thing. Cool, eh? Isn't that cool? Very cool. I liked it. Very, very cool. Because I know, um, didn't Rich Hilton say that he he put a load of stuff, because he used to work as a dealer. He worked for uh, Sequential and ARP and Moog, I believe, or uh, just a general dealer. So he's got a lot of this stuff. And he was beginning to put it up online as well. Uh, Rich isn't with us this week because uh, he's on his way to Japan for some more gigs, by the way. But, um, yeah, cool stuff. I mean, I'm not quite as synth nerdy as, as collecting uh, adverts, but I like the ability to be able to kind of get to this and, and nail it um, pretty much straight to... Let me see if I can find the uh, advertising timeline. I can probably paste it into the chat room uh, so that people can see that. I don't know his actual name, RetroSynth ads guy, uh, but he said, Growing up, synthesizer adver- advertisements were the only way for me to find out about new synths. Gear advertised in magazines such as Keyboard Magazine Electronic Musicians, Musician. And he's based in Canada. There's not much more to say, really. Happy Fun Team well, says he still has loads of keyboard magazines and electro musicians from the 1780s. Electronic musician from the 1780s. I threw all mine away, I think. I know Dave Spears has got a cellar full of it. Sorry, PJ. Oh, no. I, I'm also one of these kind of nerds that collects these magazines and have ever since the mid-1980s when I was old enough to start reading these magazines and lust after the gear in them. Um, and so I, I came along... Um, you know, I was young, and but came along these this kind of uh, marketing um, tool when they were all kind of gray and silver toned, glossy. Um, you know, they look like the prototype to modern day car adverts or Apple's product. You know, products. Um, that kind of thing, closer to the the DDD one ad that's at the end of the Korg timeline, and I remember that ad actually from from 1986. But what I was wondering, because these these are so creative, some of these early ones, is um, this this one that's in the Korg timeline for the VC10 stands out. At, what we're looking at is a is kind of a surrealistic. Um, rendering of of the the vc10 i'm I'm assuming and uh a guitar and a and a tape machine all with these gigantic kind of strange little shop of horrors meets the rolling stone mouths and it's in four color and it looks like they went all out to um to design and print this this particular ad because none of the other ones you know leading up to it are in are in color um, and I'm I'm wondering why that particular that particular um, machine did they decide to to veer so sharply from their from their kind of stated des- design philosophy? I'm guessing it might be something as simple as uh, the fact that uh, it was a, um, a, a, a an improvement in print technology that made color prints color color ads more affordable. Even something as yeah, simple maybe, as that. Perhaps but they go they go back to uh, to doing the black and white ads after that. Uh, um, and I, I'm not sure exactly how complete this timeline is. It uh, looks pretty, pretty comprehensive, but, and then it looks like they go back to color um, somewhere. Well, it's not, no, it's not far. It's not too far in the future. Ah, uh, I see it. Uh, I got it. Yep. I'm going to make it. Well, a... what publication was that in? It was in contemporary keyboard in 1978. <laughs> 78. Yeah, there here we go. go. I'm just uh, going to, let me see if I can just bring that f- to the screen for you all. Ah, oh, it's kind of funky. It's very um, Gilbert Shelton, actually, and Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers kind of vibe there. Yeah, 
Yeah. VC10 turns words into music. There it is, the Korg vocoder. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. And isn't, I mean, that, that particular ad jumped off the page at me because it, it's very different from the other. It's others. the only one they paid a designer to do rather than just did it yeah, in house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks that, it kind of looks that way. It's real yeah. comic book stuff, isn't it? Oh, sweet. Yeah. And yeah, all the, yeah, they're really all talking. The singing synth, the singing tape machine, and the singing guitar. Yeah, that's yeah. sweet. I like that. I'd like to. Ha- I'd like to have one of those and frame it. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, this one's quite. It's quite high resolution. This one, you could probably print it out. Maybe I will. Yeah, but anyway, where you want to go is retrosynthads.com, uh, blogspot, retrosynthads. Sorry, dot blogspot.com, and then you'll find it from there. I think we're getting towards the end of the topic, which, considering the way that, uh, well, the end of the, the topic's completely, because considering the way that this show came together, which was just before four o'clock, I was thinking it's going to be me, and I might have to just play the MP3 versions of the Flood and the Gareth Jones interview, or perhaps I also played a bit of the Vince Clark interview that we uh, recorded at, uh, at Short Circuit, which we haven't put up live yet, because it, it really does look a lot like... Um, a serial killer being interviewed in a very small and uncomfortable <laughs> police interview room. <laughs> um, it's turned out really well. So I can only say thank you very much, everybody. It's been such a great... Uh, it's turned out, I feel euphoric almost, that it's turned out so well. So thank you very much, everybody, uh, for joining me. I'm really pleased you all managed to get there. Gaz, I'm very pleased to hear that you came back from uh, from, uh, from from Spain unscathed and um, just a little bit browner, but not, you know, not totally peeling and burnt (laughs) (laughs) songsurgeon.co.uk is where you can check out what Gaz is up to somehow with a you avoided the ash cloud as well then did you oh yeah I don't think it's it's quite it's not quite as serious yet yeah 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 I don't think it it hasn't affected down south has it it's only been yeah uh, it's if you're going north um, uh, as you head in the chat room says talking about t-shirts because that would make a good t-shirt you're right that uh, cool guy Uh, does Tonic State have them um, we've got a few, but there's probably only about two or th- you know not many done there. Sort of triple XL left. We didn't really make another batch, but uh, hey. Uh, anyway, Gaz Williams, thank you very much. Songsurgeon.co.uk, and in the middle right there is Mark Tinley, who also made an uh, effort to get back. And uh, which cat should we also give uh, credit for appearing on the podcast? What was his name? Her that was uh, Can Gorms, the female one. All ah, right. Well, I don't know why she was making so much noise? I think I think she thought that Gina was back for some reason. Actually, she doesn't really like me. She tends to run away from me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> why isn't she? Why isn't she here? What are you doing here? Get out! Is, do you think she was saying that? Anyway, Mark Tinley, uh, likebeing dot com. What was your uh, your new URL? Oh, transformingtribes.com. dot com as well. Keep an eye out on those. Uh, like I said before, pretty much Mark will have probably seventy or eighty percent of all possible dot com destinations uh, on the internet at the rate he's going. So uh, <laughs> I hope your collection is going as well as it can be. And that final chuckle there was from PJ Tracy, pjtracymusic.com. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you aboard again. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you all. And um, I'd also like to direct our listeners if they're interested to my YouTube channel, which is um, YouTube forward slash PJ Trace, T-R-A-C-E. And there is footage up there if you have not yet seen it of a concert that I gave a month and a half ago. Uh, Ah, yes. That's right. You're playing. That's right. Brilliant. And that was, was that the one that you shot using the Zoom uh, Q3 HD? I did. I uh, the audio is off that. The video is off of a Canon. Ah, okay. Canon camera. Coolio. Uh, Rob GS in the chat room says, "How's the Monotribe review coming?" Yes, it's coming. Thank you. Uh, I've finished it. I just need to wait for pricing information before I can publish it, and I'm waiting to hear what uh, you know. I always let Korg or whoever whoever I do a video review have a look at it first to make sure a I haven't misrepresented anything or got anything wrong. So I'm just waiting to hear the final sort of yeah, it's fine. Although it's probably not the glowing testimonial that they would, uh, the marketing department were hoping for, it's still impressive. So anyway, thank you very much for uh, uh, everybody joining us. Thank you very much to everybody in the chat room. That was Sonic Talk number 219, uh, contrary to what it said in the show notes. Uh, next week, 220. So thank you very much, everybody. Look forward to seeing you again soon.